Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing well. Excited to have a playoff game preview to do, which means we're going to have at least one um, playoff game analysis to do. Hopefully yeah. more. Hopefully more. You never know. But yeah, we are here to preview the upcoming matchup between the Packers and the Cowboys on Sunday. Exciting stuff. Always down for more weeks of Packers football. Football season is too short as it is, so we will take as much extra as we can get. Whether that's just this playoff game or, you know, four more playoff games, you never know. Either way, we will be here with you doing episodes along the way. And either way, we'll be doing an episode a week the entire offseason as well. Talking about, you know... Packers hirings, firings, evaluations of how the season went, the draft. We go super in-depth on the draft here. We love to talk about it. It's actually probably our favorite part of the NFL season. So, you know, don't turn that dial, even if this ends up being the last Packers game, which, you know, hopefully it isn't. But we will still be here doing an episode every week, so come hang out with us. But yeah, like we said, we are here today to preview this upcoming Packers-Cowboys game. Before we do, though, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, uh, articles that we find interesting, videos that we find interesting, pieces of stats that we find when we're researching for these uh, podcasts. Um, then, you know, Packers news, whether that's injury reports, roster moves, stuff like that, you know, one-stop shop and everything title town. So yeah, come give us a follow on Twitter at father, son, Packer, and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, we even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. If you want to check us out there. So yeah, you know, come check us out, but dad, let's start talking about Packers Cowboys before we get into any of the details though. How you feeling? You know, Packers are in the playoffs. Youngest team to maybe ever make the playoffs, depending on how you want to count it. Definitely the youngest since the 70s. Youngest team in the league. You know, we're kind of playing with house money, so I'm really excited. I'm sure when it comes time to game time, I'm going to be really fired up and anxious and annoyed. But for right, right now, I'm just excited. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to remember that house money thing in the midst of the game. But it's just nice to be here in a lot of ways and, and nice to get the experience that young players are learning how to win in their first year, first or second year and not have to like suffer through bad seasons and try to figure out things how to win. Yeah. On, on, you know, Cause learning how to win for a young team is actually important. I think for building for the next year. So it's really exciting that we were able to do that from the, from the start for Jordan love. Yeah. And get, you know, some experience there. So, cause I think that's the big thing is, you know, go in there, Let's play a good game, continue the positive momentum into this next year, win or loss. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is continuing positive momentum regardless of the result. But dad, let's start talking about this game and let's start off with, you know, unfortunately the worst part, which is the injury report. Now we are recording Thursday night, uh, January 11th. So we don't have the official designations for any players out yet, um, but we do have practice reports. And I believe we got this practice report from Tom Silverstein. Uh, so dad, take it away on the injury report. Right. So I'll just kind of group the players into a couple of different buckets, you know, whether they were, you know, DNPs did not participate all week or limited all week or not. The players who are full participation, I'm not really going to talk about now. And without the game, it's kind of similar to what we do if we had the game status is where the players are um, questionable, out, doubtful, whatever. So for the Packers, there are three players who are DNP on Thursday. Dylan, who has that thumb injury plus the stinger that they're calling it a neck injury, but I presume it's still the stinger. Jenkins was out with a knee slash ankle, but he's had one or more DNPs for at least six weeks in a row now. So that doesn't worry me too much, but the 
big one is Jair with a new ankle injury that happened reportedly during a jog through yesterday when he stepped on somebody else's foot and turned the ankle. Yeah, that's um, just the to worst luck for injury. him. Mm-hmm. It's the worst luck for him because the second time is like a weird freak injury. Earlier in the season, he got like ran into by a you know scout team tight end and hurt his back. And then this uh, turn an ankle on you know a jog through on a teammate's foot just sucks. Although Matt Schneiman of the Athletic did report today on Twitter that they saw him and he didn't have like a boot on or didn't have a noticeable limp, so that is at least some good news. Uh, it's not maybe not as bad as it could be, but still his status for Sunday is in doubt, and we're going to have to keep an eye on that going forward. Um, beyond that, though, Dad, other Packers injury related stuff. Well, so for the game for the Cowboys, their DNP so are really. That wasn't vet rest because they got a bunch of like offensive linemen and other players who are getting DMPs, but they're going to call it not an injury related, just just vet rest. But Stefan Gilmore did um, not participate in practice Wednesday, but was limited on Thursday. So he seems to be training in the right direction for them, maybe not for the Packers, but for the Cowboys. Um, and then for their limited players, the Cowboys had two players, defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins and guard Tyler Smith, who were limited both days with an ankle and a foot respectively. Green Bay, on the other hand, had seven players who've been limited both days. Well, if if we could just go back to the uh, Cowboys DNPs really quick, because there is one thing that I found interesting about one of those guys that was listed, you know, vet rest. And that was Zach Martin, who's like their star right guard, probably their best offensive lineman going to the Hall of Fame, et cetera, et cetera. He's listed DNP vet rest, but he also did not play in the last game. Uh, So I do think that that is something at least to keep an eye on. Um, you know, that he was not active last game. Uh, but yeah, just wanted to point that out. I think it was illness, you said. I think we were talking about this earlier. But just something that I wanted to tack on there because I do think his is maybe a little different than your standard vet rest would be. Yeah, it could be that there's something else in there that they're, you know, obfuscating. You know, I was going to say, I was literally going to say obfuscating. <laughs> yes, perfect. Um, but yes, oxidizing. Great, yes. great. Great, great mind sick likes. Something in there that they're, you know, oscillating. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead with the rest of the injury report, though. I just wanted to note that. Yeah, so for for their DPS, so then you get to the all the various limiteds where you have um, Dobbs with a chest, Jones with a knee and finger injury, McDuffie with a concussion and a neck injury, Owens with a knee, Slayton with a knee and a foot, Preston with a knee, listen with the knee, and Watson with the hamstring we're trying to come back with for a while. So those were all the players for the Packers who are limited both um, Wednesday and Thursday. Now for Jones, Owens, and Slayton, this is the same way that last week went, and all three of them played. And also, I think it's likely that Preston is going to play based on what happened with him last week. And based on the um, fact that he's missed one game in his entire his career. His entire career, yeah. Which is he's, just a stunning statistic. Um, yeah, and so... and. Preston McDuffie and Watson, this is all more participation than they had last week, though we still have a day to go. So we'll see how it goes. So yeah. For Watson, Although, the day he missed was Friday last week. Yeah, but for Preston, I think it is, you know, yes, it's more than he practiced last week. Last week was the ankle, though, and this week he's listed with a knee. So it is a slightly different injury. Um, that's just something that catches my eye. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it, it is. Mo- I'm more optimistic about them. And then Dobbs, he mentioned, you know, he didn't want to talk about the nature of his injury when asked about it. I think Rob Domofsky had that of ESPN on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, the Packers time you spend time in the hospital. Those, yeah. Yeah. Plus, like the Packers guard injuries like state secrets. But oh, yeah. yeah, it was I don't think we'll ever hear exactly what that is because 
you know, it doesn't seem to be a collapsed lung because he would be back already. Um, some kind of bruising, coughing up blood. Yeah, bruised exactly. organ of some kind, something nasty. I bet. Um, and during the game, also last week was Luke Musgrave. Speaking of like weird bruised internal injuries in organs, Musgrave's first action since he lacerated his kidney, um, and he said the plan was for him to get a catch in and get hit and see how it felt. So hopefully they didn't like throw him. I was going to ball over the middle. Mission just accomplished. To see how then. that see how the because kidney holds up. I was going to say mission accomplished. He got he caught a ball in the middle of the field and got smacked almost immediately. So it went just according to plan. I don't know about you. Anytime I hear lacerated kidney, I like wince involuntarily. Sounds kind of gnarly. It yeah. sounds really. You don't want to get hit in the back with it with if you have one of those. I don't get hit at all if I have one of those. I don't want to get touched. I don't want someone to lay a finger on me if I have a lacerated no kidney. No touchy. Yes, it's from Emperor's New Groove. I know exactly what you were referencing. But anyway, uh, forward with the injury report. We got like one or two yeah. names left on there, right? Well, just to summarize, so I would say Jair's injury is the most worrisome. It's, it's new, and according to the floor, he's day-to-day. Um, and then for McDuffie, Watson, and Dobbs, I think Friday's report is going to be really important to see. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about Watson and Dobbs. And McDuffie is just reliant on the concussion protocol and whether he clears it. And that's kind of out of everybody's hands. You just got to see how it goes. And who knows about Jair's new injury? Yeah. I, the Watson one is interesting. You know, he had his big breakout game. Like last year, his big breakout game was versus the Cowboys. He had three touchdowns in prime I want to see him play in this game so bad. I, I won't believe it until I see it, just because I was so sure he was going to play last week. You know, possibly last game of the season, he had practice multiple times he had said he was gonna play malafleur said friday was just a precaution and then you know game time comes and he's an inactive so i just i don't know what to think anymore i'm not going to expect him to play anymore i guess i don't want to get fooled again uh but that's the injury report moving on to some quick facts for this game some uh so the game's going to be on sunday in dallas 3 30 p.m local time central indoors at AT at&t stadium where the packers have never lost over-under is 50 and a half, so a very high over-under. Uh, Cowboys are favored by seven points for an implied score of around 29 to 22. I feel like that seven points feels a little high. I would have guessed more around five and a half. But either way, seven points. I am happy we're playing indoors this weekend, though, Dad, because some of these other playoff games we were talking about, miserable. Yeah, sure. Miserable uh, weather. The, I think the fans of those at those games and the players of those games are going to be wishing they were in, indoors as well. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this. The Buffalo-Pittsburgh game is supposed to have 50-mile-per-hour gusts. The Kansas City-Miami game is supposed to be negative 30 wind chill, which is like the third coldest game of all time. No, no thank you. We'll take the indoor game. Thank you very much. But yeah, so just so them qu- some quick facts there. And let's move on to keeping up with the Joneses, where we talk about, you know, not Aaron and Caleb. We talk about the opponent, talk about what's going on with Dallas in this case. They are 12-5 and on the season, winning the NFC East, second seed in the NFC. And they have yet to lose a game at home this season. They are actually on a 16-game home winning streak, uh, extending all the way back through last season. Um, So that's something that's, you know, a little bit interesting there. Maybe we can break that streak. On the season, uh, some traditional stats per FTN Fantasy. They have on offense the second most yards per drive and the second most points per drive. We like using per drive stats because it kind of controls for pace. Uh, And then on defense, 12th fewest yards per drive allowed and 10th fewest points per drive allowed. So, you know, keeping an eye on there and then some uh, more advanced stats by DVOA, which is also FTN Fantasy, which takes into account, you know, the strength of the opponent. 
Um, they are ninth overall on offense, the 11th best passing offense, and 16th best rushing offense. And then on defense, they are fifth overall by DVOA, seventh against the pass, and fifth against the run. So some stats there just to keep an eye on. Clearly, you know, pretty good offense, you know, a better passing offense than a running offense. Or And then on defense, you know, pretty pretty stout either way although we will talk about there are a couple places where we think we could get some advantage of them there i think we might even have a couple of duplicates but dad let's move on to our next section hey now play nice let's say some nice things about america's team the cowboys i know that you in love jerry jones's mind they're america's yes. team they're- yes only in jerry jones's mind are they america's team only in branding circles are they america's team everyone knows the packers are truly america's the team. true america's team exactly but anyway, Dad, let's say some nice things about the Cowboys because they've had a really good season. And I think you are going to talk about, you know, possibly their best player this season. Yeah, if you believe uh, if somebody's going to be in the MVP conversation, then they must be that that team's best player. Yeah. Um, so I'm talking about Dak Prescott, how he's had a phenomenal year. He's currently got the second best odds for MVP behind Lamar Jackson, according to USA Today and like four or five other um, sites I found online. He led the league in passing touchdowns with 36. Fun fact, um, Love was second. And Prescott is third in the league in passing yards behind uh, um, just Tua and Goff. He's also second in passer rating and second in ESPN's QBR among the 48 quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts. Only Brock Purdy finished ahead of him in both of those. And only C.J. Stroud has a better touchdown-to-interception ratio. It's kind of amazing for a rookie to be leading yeah. the league in touchdown to interception. I mean, he's he's just really good. He's really, really good. Yeah. Prescott is also second in expected points added plus completion percentage over accepted composite score, um, according to RBSDM. And if you just look at the second half of the year, the last nine weeks of the year, he's number one, not not second. Over the whole season by PFF, he's second to Tua in passer grade and second in overall offensive grade among QBs, only to Josh Allen. And so I think uh, Josh Allen gets the bump ahead of him in overall offense instead of just passing because of the rush touchdowns, how many rush touchdowns Allen had this year. Another interesting thing, he's actually, in addition to like producing all these touchdowns, he's also been really good at protecting the ball. He he has the fourth lowest turnover-worthy play percentage of the league amongst QBs with at least 100 attempts. And he had the best PFL passer rating under pressure for the year. Yeah, and I was going to say about the turnover where the play is just to to butt in, you know, as as I am want to do. This is coming off a season where last year he fell under a lot of criticism for throwing, you know, a, he threw a good amount of picks last year. And so they kind of pivoted away from having Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator in the offseason. And then, you know, Mike McCarthy kind of took over a heavier role in the offense. And it's paid dividends for them. They've, you know, they obviously added Brandon Cooks as like a second wide receiver to kind of stabilize that wide receiver room. Uh, Jake Ferguson, who we'll talk about in a little bit, has, you know, made a step at that tight end and filled in for Dalton Schultz nicely. So, you know, some better, some small improvements in weapons or not small, some decent improvements in weapons around him. Some, you know, changes in how the offense is called. And he's having a career year and uh, he's a very viable MVP candidate, very worthy of possibly winning the MVP probably going to be Lamar but he certainly deserves to be mentioned and deserves to be getting votes he's having an awesome year uh for me the positives that I had is on the other side of the ball for the Cowboys and that is Dan Quinn and what he has done with this defense so Dan Quinn you know 
has been hired or was hired, sorry, back in 2021 to be the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. Uh, since then, they have ranked fourth, fourth, and fifth in defense by DVOA. So they've been top five each of the three years that he has been there. Um, this season, per RBSDM and NFL Fast R, uh, they are fourth in EPA per play, fifth in EPA per dropback, and tenth in EPA per rush. Uh, per PFF, they have the fourth most pressures in the league. It's kind of, you know, heightened by probably what a lot, who a lot of people would say is their, you know, fully best or most talented player on the roster, and that's Micah Parsons. Um, and then some other fun stats. They have only allowed two 100-yard receivers this season, uh, DK Metcalf and Curtis Samuel, surprisingly. Uh, especially yeah, surprising. One of these things are not like the, it's not like know, the others. And especially considering, you know, they played against Tyreek. They played against um, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. All host of, you know, I think look and at their also schedule. Also like Debo, Debo and Ayuk too, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they've played against a lot of people. Um, but only, yeah, only allowed 200 yard receivers this season per NFL fast start, which is tied for the fewest in the league this season for any team. Um, and then they have only allowed 100 yard rusher this season. That was James Cook, which is tied for the second fewest in the league. Although there are nine teams tied with only allowing 100 yard rusher on the season. So yeah, defense. It has been very good for them. Has been very good under Dan Quinn in general. He's a very good defensive coordinator. He's getting a lot of head coaching looks now. It seems like a lot of t- a lot of people are chattering about you know him possibly taking that Seattle job. Maybe some of his focus will be on you know interviewing for that Seattle job. You never know. Maybe he'll take his eye off the ball a little bit. But yeah, it's just something I was Dan, thinking about. Think about your future. Think about your future all week. And, you know, Dan Quinn is someone that Matt LaFleur has a lot of respect for as well. They asked him about it. You know, Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach in Atlanta when Dan Quinn was the head coach there. So there's some relationship already there. But yeah, so Dan Quinn, that defense, that was what I had nice to say. But Dad, let's move on to our next section. Let's talk about maybe some things that we're nervous about when it comes to how the Cowboys specifically match up against Green Bay. Because I think there are some things there where it's like, ooh, it might be a little tough. Yeah, so what I had was kind of look at not just uh, Dak Prescott, who's kind of obvious, but other things where a Packers weakness might be exploited by a uh, Cowboys strength. And so that when I looked at Green Bay is only 26th in the league by DVOA and covering opponents' tight ends. And Jake Ferguson has had a decent year. He's been in the top 10 amongst tight ends in yards, receptions, touchdowns, um, yards after the catch per reception, and PFF receiving grade. Wisconsin's, so Wisconsin's having, own Jake Wisconsin's Ferguson, own. Barry Alvarez's grandson, Member the godfather of, the of Familia. Wisconsin, exactly. The godfather of Wisconsin football himself, Barry Alvarez. That's his grandson, Jake Ferguson, which just wanted to throw in there. Yeah. And so of the players that you might be expecting to cover tight ends for Green Bay, the linebackers and safeties, only Rudy Ford has had an above average PFF coverage grade on the season. And he's and not he playing this weekend. To, and he went to IR. And he's not eligible to come back yet. Um, so that's, that's less than ideal. We were hoping to have a little bit, we we weren't expecting, you know, elite play from the safeties this year to kind of cobble things together. And plus we've had players missing time like Savage. And I think we've also been, you know, hurt by players playing hurt at both safety and linebacker like Walker and Campbell. Yeah. And, you know, some down years here. You know, even when McDuffie has played, I think McDuffie is better against the run than he is against the pass. I don't, I don't think he's particularly yeah. good in coverage. It's I more think about his, his his best trade is like he has a knack for filling the hole in the run game, but and, I know, don't think coverage. I think is he a does well sideline to sideline. Like he has the athleticism to possibly be good in coverage. It's just 
he's never seems to really be in the right spot, but it is what it is. He's like, you know, a replacement level linebacker. I think he's played well when he's gotten run. It's just, there are limitations there, but yeah, definitely a, a hole in the Packers defense there that I was also going to talk about because I was also going to talk about the middle of the Packers defense when it came to defending CeeDee Lamb. So I'm a little nervous about this. And it was kind of inspired by some stats from Mina Kimes' podcast. Um, she was talking about how the Packers have the worst passer rating allowed um, and worst yards per attempt allowed in the NFL versus slants this season. Um, so, you know, if you're you working, you like to hear the word worst applied no. to your team in and not for two different stats for the same thing. That's always extra bad. Cause it's not like, Oh, you know, one stat can be kind of noisy. No, it's, you get two to three stats where it's like, yeah, you're really bad at this. Probably really bad at this. And the people at ESPN always have like more detailed stats than I could ever have in terms of like what type of route, like pay an extra for true media and stuff like that. And, but yeah, I was looking at this at NFL fast R though. And they have, you know, pass location, left, right, or middle. I believe they define it by the hashes. Um, the Packers have struggled to guard the middle of the field, like you were saying. Per NFL Fast R, they are 28th in yards per like attempt, yards per target to the middle of the field, and 29th in EPA per target to the middle of the field. So pretty bad. Two stats t- saying you're pretty bad to the middle of the field, once again. Um, and then per your FTN fantasy, they are fifth worst by DVOA. Now, remember, that takes into account strength of competition at defending the deep middle of the field. Um, Dak Prescott right now amongst 31 quarterbacks with at least 50 attempts to the middle of the field. This is per NFL Fast R as well, has the 10th highest yards per attempt to the middle of the field and the seventh highest EPA per attempt to the middle of the field. So he's attacking the middle of the field really well as well. And then CeeDee Lamb is, you know, also dicing up the middle of the field. You know, in some ways, this is like a bit of like, okay, if the quarterback's doing really well to the middle of the field, his receivers are going to do really well to the middle of the field. And that's a fair argument. But CeeDee Lamb still ranks very well attacking the middle of the field. Seventh most targets to the middle of the field. 18th in yards per target and fifth in EPA per target to the middle of the field. They're dicing up where the Packers are the worst. And CeeDee Lamb is their scariest receiver. I mean... He has really elevated, I would say, from a guy I would consider to be like around, you know, borderline top 10 wide receiver in the league to, I would say, firmly top five wide receiver in the league this year. At times, he is their entire offense. You know, he he can dominate an entire game. He works a good amount out of the slot. They move him around quite a bit. So Packers are going to need to be giving him some extra thought. And I'm a little scared about the middle of the field. I'm a little worried about what's going to happen if Jair can't go. Yeah, I mean, we don't generally have Jair travel that much as is, and we're playing a good amount of zone, but it's still it's still a little scary. I don't think we cover the middle of the field well, and they attack the middle of the field great was what all those numbers were. That was the point of all that, you know, big word dump of numbers on you is is I'm scared about CeeDee Lamb in the middle of the field. Statistical word salad. Yeah, and you were talking about Jake Ferguson attacks the middle field well, too. So, you know, just in general, middle of the field, a little scary. But let's move on to our next segment, Dad. Exploitable weaknesses of the Cowboys. It's not all dark clouds and rainstorms. There are ways the Packers have advantages in this game as well. And we're going to talk about a few of those here. Dad, what did you have there? So, despite what we were talking about how well the Cowboys have been playing this year, over the last four weeks, Cowboys are only 26th in dropback success rate, suggesting you know, on, de- on defense that they are more vulnerable on D than earlier in the season. This also coincides with Love being number one in the league over the last four weeks in EPA plus um, completion percentage over expected in the league. In particular, um, kind of similar to the Packers, their weak, the, 
Cowboys' weakest area of the field in coverage is the middle, where they are 24th by DVOA on the season, and 29th in the deep middle. So I think that's was that even worse than the Packers, where they like um like seventh worst or something. So it was, the, the Cowboys in the bad. deep middle are yeah. the fourth worst. Um, and Love's three best passing areas of the field by PFF grade are deep center, short center, and intermediate center in that order. So, so Love's best area of the field, deep center, is right where the Cowboys have their weakest coverage. Hey, if Luke Musgrave wants to make his return to attacking the seam in this game after getting hurt, like dinged up a little, well, not dinged up after, you know, finally getting hit. Dinged up. Let's call a lacerated king, lacerated kidney dinged up. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) But my my point point was. I hate to hear what you call a serious injury. Yeah. But main point was, you know, he got, you know, he got hit last week. He felt some contact. He's ready to, you know, take a little more. Let's, let's, let's see him attacking that seam a little bit. But no, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. They were fourth worst and we were fifth worst by DVOA defending the middle of the field. So, you know, we can attack there. They're, like we said, this defense is quite good. It has some holes. And that's actually what I was going to talk about as well. Because despite the fact that they're, you know, 10th in EPA per carry, like EPA per rush allowed on defense, they're 32nd in the league in rushing success rate allowed per RBSDM. There are 32 New- teams in the league. I guess say <laughs> newsflash listeners, there are 30, the only 32 teams in the league. That's dead last. We're not, we're not including CFL or like, you know, no college West. We're not having the debate on like, you know, could, could Michigan beat the, the worst team in the league? Could Michigan beat the Panthers? The answer is no, we're not adding them to this list. There are only 32 teams in the league and they have the worst rushing success rate allowed. And you know, with the disparity there between EPA per carry and rushing success rate allowed kind of indicates to me, you know, they're not giving up many big explosive runs and, you know, maybe they're forcing a fumble here or there, but you can kind of stay ahead of the sticks on them running the ball is kind of what I'm what I'm pointing at here and a place where I think, you know, the Cowboys are vulnerable and the Packers can take advantage. And, you know, a lot of people talked about this. Um, you know, Jonathan Hankins, who we talked about their defensive tackle. Um, he's a big part of stopping the run. And a lot of people were like, oh, like when he plays, it's very different. So I decided to look at this. Um, he played weeks one to 13 uh, and then did not play weeks 15 to 17. He got like knocked out of their game in week 14. Uh, and then Week 18, I I didn't count because, you know, he was just coming back. But weeks 1 to 13 with him, they were 30th in rushing success rate. And weeks 15 to 17 without him, they were 31st in rushing success rate. So with or without him, they were still poor against running games in terms of like, you know, like getting negative plays consistently. And, you know, they'll get a negative play here or there. That's part of what that EPA per like rush, like being so high is. But generally, you know, you'll be able to get four yards on first down or 60 and then like another four yards on second down and stay ahead of the chains that way and not end up in these horrible situations on, you know, third and long where you're going to have to drop back pass with Micah Parsons ripping around the end. And then Demarcus Lawrence on the other end and Osea Digizua in the middle, like they, they have some fearsome pass rushers. And so you don't want to end up in a scenario where you have to be doing drop back pass a lot. That's why I think, you know, not letting this game get to a point where you're playing from behind is going to be important, but being able to run the ball and churn out those yards and stay ahead of the sticks and convert on third and shorts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is doable against this team as evidenced by that, you know, low success or high success rate allowed. And so that's where I think they are vulnerable. And that's where I think the Packers can attack specifically with Aaron Jones, which I will talk about later. Cause I have some very fun stats in terms of how he's matched up with the Cowboys in his career. Uh, dad, anything you wanted to tack on there in terms of some exploitable weaknesses of the Cowboys, or do you want to talk about what you hope the Packers do? Cause I think you have something on Aaron Jones as well. Right. So we'll just kind of bridge 
what from one to the other where what I would like them to do is give Aaron Jones the, as many carries as they can. So as you mentioned, that despite having an overall EPA per play on defense, their defensive rush success rate isn't so good, um, suggesting uh, that teams could stay on schedule. And so I want to see them stay on schedule by giving the ball to Aaron Jones so they don't get into must um, pass situations. And Green Bay's rush success rate on offense um, over the last six weeks is second best in the league. So we're actually what happens when you run for a hundred yards a game, three straight games. Let's go, Aaron Jones. Yeah, as opposed to how bad we were in the beginning of the year. So now you actually feel like, and we like play. Oh, the Raiders have the worst run defense in the league. We'll get right against them. No, nope. But now we're now we are. Now we've figured things out. I think we're getting more push at the line of scrimmage. We're actually moving defenders out of field, opening lanes, and Aaron Jones also has a knack for squeezing through these tiny little openings and. You, you, the last game was like, oh, he stopped the light of scrimmage. Oh, wait, no, he popped out the other side. How is he still on his feet? Yeah. Um, it's incredible how well, like his contact balance is otherworldly for his size. Yeah. And then most of like, for example, the the Cowboys um, defensive line rate poorly in PFF run grade, except for Hosa Adigazua, as you mentioned, who's yeah. a good pass rusher and also probably their best interior run defender. Yeah, you know but they the drafted other ones are sub sub uh, sub average. Yeah, you know they drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round this past year. I, I guess he has not been super impactful from what I have heard. I can't say I've like really heavily like sat down and watched his tape in Dallas so far, but people I trust have said you know he hasn't been super impactful for them yet. So that's at least something going for us. I'm going to talk about Aaron Jones when we talk about our players to watch and specifically how he's played against Dallas uh, because there's some fun stats there. Um, but the, uh, so I, and I definitely agree on Aaron Jones would have said that if uh, you had not already mine though, is give Micah Parsons extra attention. Um, he's the type of game record and really take over a game a la Max Crosby in week five. We saw him pretty much single-handedly wreck the Packers entire game plan. Um, and then they've shown, the Packers have, that they'll chip with tight ends a lot on elite edge rushers. They did it against Sweat a good amount just last game. So I want them to do that. I'm curious what the plan is when he lines up like over the center or in the interior. Uh, he's lined up at some kind of inside linebacker 89 times per PFF. It's about 10% of snaps. I worry a little bit about the mismatch there against Myers. I just don't think he's quick enough for him. I, I, I'm a little scared by that. He's I'm, I'm going to say, I know he's not quick enough for him. Right, because um, we have like 300 pounders sometimes Myers isn't quick enough for. Yeah, so that's scary. I just think they need to be very cognizant of where he is. And I, I want a, you know, concrete plan for like, hey, center and right guard are going to take Parsons on this play if he's like standing up over the center or center and left. Like, and, and have a plan. Always have a plan for Micah Parsons because he's the type of player who you need to always have a plan for. But yeah, so that's what I hope they do. And then moving on to don't take your eye off of that guy. You mind if I just go into Aaron Jones since you were already talking just, about Just him? continue with Aaron Jones. Okay, Aaron yeah, Jones. Just go three right straight it. games of 100 yards rushing like we mentioned. And in his career, he has dominated the Cowboys, his old home state team. You know, he's from El Paso. It's not actually that close to Dallas, but you know, most no, of Texas is... That's a long way away. It's a long way away. It's like a nine-hour drive. States. But it's still, you know... Most of Texas is Dallas, or most of Texas is Cowboys fans, is all I'm going to say. Um, in three games in his career versus the Cowboys, per stat muse, 123 rushing yards per game, 34 receiving yards per game, two touchdowns per game, and six yards a carry in those three games against the Cowboys. 
per NFL fast star, I was, I looked at this. I was looking, it's like, okay, how does that compare to how other individual players have like dominated specific matchups in their career? And so I went since 2017, which was the year he was drafted. And I looked at all players who have played like, you know, a singular team at least three times. You're all, all players where they have played a team at least three times. And he has like Aaron Jones versus the Cowboys in terms of player versus team matchup ranks fourth in yards per game in that time. Uh, the only ones ahead of him are Alvin Kamara whenever he plays Seattle, Christian McCaffrey whenever he plays Seattle, and then Christian McCaffrey whenever he plays the Rams. The fact that McCaffrey is on there twice is just nutty, just for reference. Um, and then he also ranks, you know, the or Aaron Jones versus Dallas, ranks second in EPA per game, expected points added per game, to only Stephon Diggs whenever he plays Tennessee, which is kind of a random one, but interesting nonetheless. So, yeah. so yeah. that means that EPA per play, he's number one amongst running backs. EPA per play, not entirely sure. I'd have to look at that. Uh, oh, sorry, EPA, EPA per, per game. game. EPA yes. per game. Yes. Uh, number one, only trailing Stephon, wide receiver Stephon Diggs. Exactly. But yeah, so EPA per game, yards per game. His He has destroyed the Cowboys in his career in those three games. There was the four-touchdown right. game. Uh, don't forget the number of like waves, hand waves per game as you run to the end zone. He's, um, he's Yeah, that was the famous, you know, the wave as he went out. He got fined for that one. We love it. We love to see it. But yeah, no, so he has, you know, had a lot of success versus Dallas in his career. We've talked about how, you know, Dallas's run defense, you know, there are some holes there and you can churn out yards so i think you know just gotta feed aaron jones like you were saying uh but dad who's the player you're keeping an eye on because i think we also have another star player on the other side of the ball who might have a plus matchup as well yeah so guy i want to keep an eye on is rashawn gary by dvoa the cowboys adjusted sack rate on the offensive line is is not bad but close to the middle of the pack at, at 12 while green bay's adjusted sack rate on d is sixth in the league and and Dak has been sacked the seventh seventh most time in the league with thirty eight, and the Cowboys' right tackle Terrence Steele is probably their weak link. He is the he's weak link. Poor, he is the one. Been, circle him. Circle him. Have you right. ever seen that meme that's like Kyle Shanahan oh, with the microscope? Have you ever seen that one? <laughs> it's like Kyle Shanahan when he sees like a linebacker that runs four six five, like starting for the other team, and it's <laughs> Kyle Shanahan with a microscope. That should be. The defense, that. the defense with Terrence Steele, because he is the guy that you can get after there. Right. His uh, his pass pro grade are like in the 40s, and the true pass sets are in like the 30s by PFF grade, and he has given up 45 pressures. That's a lot. That's, That's a, a lot. lot. And so I want, I'm hoping that Gary is going to be in the backfield like all day. Oh, yeah. And just don't even play around. Just go right through him. Just right yeah. through him. Go through his don't, chest. Don't like get too far upfield. Just yeah, go right through his chest. Shortest distance, right to yep. Dax. Point lap. A to point just, B. Right just in the put, lap. Put steel in in Dax's lap, yes. and then perfect. Knock him over and tackle him. That yes. reminds me of uh, who was it? Oh, I know. So think of that. Like Gary to pull a, a Reggie White, just throw him oh, into uh, Dax to tackle him. him. He might be but a little too big. Yeah. Somebody said that about. Uh, uh, I think Rasheed Walker was doing that to some defensive player. Oh yeah, week. he threw um, he threw somebody into, Walker, as, as, as a way to block him. Yeah, he threw him like three yards on a run play because he got the guy got like started way, going way too upfield, and Rasheed Walker was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna." Rasheed Walker's been playing some good football, um, and that's the other thing with Micah Parsons is I forgot to mention earlier he's like I I thought he was mostly gonna be on Zach Tom's side, and I was like gonna talk about that matchup. He plays both sides like pretty frequently. So they move him around. So both Walker and Tom are going to need to be ready for that matchup. So I just wanted to add that nugget in there because I found that when I was doing some research. 
One um, thing about Walker is ESPN has liked his pass blocking more than any other thing else I've seen. He's been like top 10 for pass block win rate. I think it really depends on the game and the matchup. I, I, I we're gonna see. We're gonna see. It's a tough, very tough matchup. Right, we'll see because it does not every metric agrees with that. Um, with ESPN in that, um, in that regard. Yeah, but anyway, moving to overtime. Or is there anything else you wanted to talk about with Gary? I want full Bane. That's all. You know, full Bane, Gary. Yes, I love it. Um, but yeah. So overtime. What we what we haven't really gotten to discuss in our nice little buckets yet. Um, Dad, anything you wanted to tack on here? I see you got a couple things. Yeah, so Micah Parsons, we mentioned already, he's you know, number one in the league in speaking of ESPN's pass rush win rate, and he's second in PF, PFF's pass rush grade, and is seventh in the league in sacks with 14. I guess official league totals as opposed to, I think, PFF, which doesn't do the half sack thing as it was 16. Um, so as you mentioned, it's like possibility of him just wrecking the game and being in the backfield. Yeah. And he could be lining up all over, um, getting in with speed. Hopefully they have a plan and uh, chip him. His have, ability. Have the, a back ready to mm-hmm. pick him up on, on passing outs. But hopefully like they're in third and two or don't yeah. even get to third down over and over again. But his ability to, and that's another reason they need to keep the run game up so they can get I know you don't necessarily need to run the ball well to have effective play action, but it certainly doesn't hurt. So I'm going to say, but his ability to like cross a lineman's face is like so fast. It's otherworldly. When you watch like just the the clip of like slow-mo of him one-on-one versus a tackle, he'll go from like on the left side of their body all the way to the right, like in a blink of an eye. And that's a little frightening. So just something I'm keeping an eye on there. Uh, Dad, you had another one though. I had another little fun factoid that I, um, came across while I was looking f- for data this game. And I was actually trying to figure out stuff about Jake Ferguson and the Cowboys tight ends. When I noticed that for the season, Tucker Craft is tied for the lead among all tight ends in the league for the season in yards after catch per reception at seven and a half, tied mm-hmm. with um, David Njoku. It's all and those hurdles. You, it's all those hurdles to the nuts. Those hurdles, right. He's he's sacrificing his nether yes. regions for, the, for, some, for, for some yak. Um, and if you and if you throw in the wide receivers as well, he's still third in the third in the league in, of, of uh, wide receivers and tight ends in in yak per reception, behind only Debo Samuel and Rashi Rice. Mm-hmm. Guys so who are he's getting been and those really are guys playing well in the last like four or five weeks. And those are guys who get like schemed up. You know, you get, they get screens. They're, those right. guys are getting screens, and he they don't really run screens to Tucker Craft. And Tucker Craft, the Cowboys took a tight end over you in the draft. Doesn't that make you mad? Doesn't it make you mad they Doesn't took you Luke want to run Schoonmaker? over somebody? Doesn't it make you mad they took Luke Schoonmaker over you and you fell to the I was so round? happy when I saw them take oh, Schoonmaker yeah. and left Kraft uh, hoping that we'd still be able to pick him up. I mean, I didn't expect us to take a second tight end at that point, but I'm happy we did because, you know, I at the time kind of liked Kraft a little more than Musgrave. I've come to like Musgrave more. I think they can both be great players. And, you know, was it only second pair of tight ends ever to have 300 plus yards and X amount of and like a touchdown I think it was or something like that or a number of receptions and we won't say what the other pair was because it's not important uh, but anyway the things that I wanted to talk about in overtime were some weird de- uh, Dallas defensive stats that I found when I was researching um, they've allowed five different players um, with at least 10 carries to go for over five yards a carry uh, that's 13th amongst teams so kind of middle of the pack there in terms of like you know letting running backs be efficient uh, they're only 22nd 
overall in success rate, despite being fourth in EPA per play. We talked about their rushing success rate, but their overall success rate isn't great either. Kind of makes me think, you know, you can maybe dink and dunk them down the field. Uh, so something I'm keeping my eye on there. Uh, Tony Pollard, something I wanted to talk about, having a bit of a down year. Uh, we know the Packers' run defense is not that good, but he's only averaging four yards a carry flat, 4.0, after averaging 5.2 and 5.5 the previous two seasons. Not great. Um, he's also averaging five fewer receiving yards per game, down to 18 versus 23 last year, despite averaging about a half a target more per game. So they're trying to use him more in the pass game, and it's not really yielding that great results. He's really having a down year after being you know, given the, the keys to be an RB1 in that backfield. Um, Jake Ferguson, like you said, Mentioned how CeeDee Lamb was fifth in EPA per target to the middle of the field amongst receivers with at least 10 targets. Ferguson is 12th, so keep that in mind. And then Brandon Aubrey, their rookie kicker, had literally not missed a single kick all season until last week. Uh, he had a 32-yarder block and then missed a 36-yarder. I so, missed this, that he had two, essentially two, two misses. misses. And so, you know, rookie kicker, a lot of pressure at home, just had your first few misses last week. Start to maybe just, second guess. Just think stuff. about those. Just think about those all week. Just start to think about them. Just don't think too hard, you know, about the fact that you already missed a 36 yarder just last week after having a 32 yarder blocked. Just, you know, putting that in the ether out there. I just wanted to mention it. Um, but yes, yeah, so those are some things I just wanted to tack on there. Some things I found when I was uh, doing some research. But, Dad, let's move on to the bottom line. Let's start with the Cowboys. The Cowboys win if blank. Um, the, the Dallas pass rushers wrecked the Green Bay offense. I think Green Bay is going to, I think, need to score a, a lot to keep up. Um, and this pass rush versus pass blocking, Dallas against Green Bay, is a case of strength versus strength with Dallas number one by ESPN's pass rush win rate and Green Bay number two by ESPN's pass block win rate. Although by DVOA, if you look at another measurement, the numbers look more in Green Bay's favor being fifth in adjusted sack rate given up on offense to Dallas's adjusted sack rate ranking of 18th on defense. Um, but if their top pass rushers like Parsons run wild, it'll be a long day. Yes. Like, you know, Micah Parsons, Demarcus uh, Lawrence, Osa Digizua. Like, these guys can take over games. Um, I said the opponent wins, sorry, the Cowboys win if the Packers can't run the ball. Uh, if the Packers can't run the ball, they're going to be in a lot of, you know, obvious passing situations. They get in a lot of obvious passing situations. It's going to be a lot of strict drop back game. And that's where, you know, they can really tee off with those edge rushers that they have. And that's where things might get a little bit dangerous. I also, you know, we didn't really talk about Oso Digizua. He's a very solid player. Um, I don't have a lot of numbers right in front of me right now, but that's a matchup that I am also keeping my eye on because, you know, Myers, Runyon or Ryan, whoever's at right guard, that's going to be a tough matchup for them. Um, Dad. Packers win if blank. Aaron Jones runs wild on them again, keeping the Packers on schedule out of, you know, must pass situations and leave them free to call any play. And Dallas has put up a few stinker games defending the run. They gave up 266 to the Bills, 107 to the Niners. So, well, that's, you know, not that surprising. And 222 to Arizona. So Arizona, can, Arizona can really run the rock, to be fair. Yeah, but, Two games over 200 yards. That's that is quite a bit. Um, I think if the if the Packers do that, where they get over 200 yards rushing against them, I I feel like it's going to be a a day we enjoy. Oh yeah, that that would be a recipe for success. Uh, for me, I had the Packers win if 
They can contain Dallas's pass rush and get Aaron Jones going. So kind of similar to what you said. Um, if they can keep Jordan Love, you know, protected, I think they have a ch- they have a decent chance in this game. But that's what it's going to come down to in my point or in my opinion. Dad, score prediction. What do you got? So I think the Packers can win this game. I think they're close enough to have a chance. I I don't think I don't think that's the most likely outcome. So I have Dallas mm-hmm. winning thirty to twenty four. Um, and so Green Bay hanging around, but not quite able to pull it out. I have something similar. I just think it's going to be a little lower scoring. Uh, I got Dallas 27, Green Bay 21. Um, I think we can win this game, like you said. I think the spread's a little high. I think seven feels like a good amount. So I think we covered the spread. Um, but I do think, you know, Dallas, very good team. Tough matchup um, on the road. So I do have Dallas winning this one, but I think it's going to be closer than the spread implies. Anyway, excited either way. Playoff football either way. Get a, you know, watch a little more Packers football. It's a long offseason. So I will take as many extra Packers games as I can get. And we will keep giving you Packers content as long as, you know, as long as the sun keeps coming up, we'll say. Um, but yeah, so we will be here doing a post game for this game, doing episodes every single week. We'll be doing two episodes a week as long as the Packers season continues. And then we'll be doing one episode a week in the offseason anyways, talking about how the season went evaluating players in more in-depth, talking a lot about the draft. A lot about the draft is one of our favorite things here at the Father-Son Packers Podcast. So keep listening to your feeds. Keep that, you know, dial tuned. They they don't really have dials anymore, but you know what I mean. More back in your day, Dad. That's more of a you thing. But anyway, um, yeah, if you like what something you, you... It's something you have to turn. You I know. Dial, you have to it's turn weird. it. But if you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father-Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes, stats that we find interesting when we're doing research for these episodes, Articles we find interesting from other Packers content creators. Videos we find interesting from other Packers content creators. Pieces of Packers news like injury reports and roster moves. You know, one-stop shopping for everything Titletown. So you should keep your eyes on that. And then subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well if you want to subscribe to us there. We really help our numbers. Thank you again for listening. We're really excited for this uh, playoff matchup. You know, who knows? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go ruin, you know, some other teams' days. Let's let's make some other fans sweat at least. You know, let's let's do that. But anyway, until next time, go pack go. Go pack go.